0: Inshallah, today we will begin from verse number 232, which is on page 46. Now, in these verses, what is it that we were learning about? The laws or the rulings related to divorce. Initially, we learned about marriage, some rules regarding marriage, and then we learnt rulings regarding divorce. Now, Inshallah, in today's verses, we will learn about remarriage. Hmm? Meaning, if a person gets divorced, and this is especially related to women, then if a woman wishes to remarry or wants to get married to somebody, or even wants to marry her ex, right? how should the people go about it? All right? And then, inshallah, we will also learn about children. What happens to children after a couple divorce? Where do they go? What about their rights? How should things be decided for them? And as we study these verses, I want you to appreciate that how in such few verses, so many commands related to marriage, divorce, remarriage, child custody, all of these are given in these verses. But in all of these rules, we see that we're not just being told about what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. We see in these verses that we are reminded to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To fulfill our duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to always be on the side of righteousness and generosity. You will see the word taqwa appearing in these verses over and over. The reason is that many times in such situations when two people are considering divorce or when there is issues related to child custody, then people follow their anger, or their feeling of vengeance, more than they follow the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is something that we need to remember, a very important take-home message. That no matter what situation you are in, even if it is a situation of conflict, of divorce, of enmity, like you really hate someone, even then, don't forget to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's begin these verses, verse number 232. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا طَلَّقْتُمُ النِّسَاءَ And when you divorce women, meaning when a man pronounces divorce to his wife, and then فَبَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ And then they have reached the end of their term. Ajal over here refers to the waiting period. And remember what the waiting period is for a divorced woman? How much is it? Right? Three menstrual cycles. So let's say the waiting period has come to an end. All right? And remember that during the waiting period, the husband has the right to cancel the divorce. Correct? We learned about that. But let's say in that waiting period, the husband did not cancel the divorce and the woman reached the end of her waiting period. Now what happens? The couple is going to be separated. They're no longer husband and wife anymore. Correct? That the woman is going to leave the house of the man and they're no longer related to each other. Right? They're not halal for each other. But then what happens? After some time, the woman or the man, you know, they realize that this was a bad idea. They need to get back together for the sake of the children or because they miss each other or now they finally forgave each other. So then they realize that, okay, let's get back together. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَا And remember this can only be in the first two divorces. Because remember, the third divorce is a final one. There is no getting back together. Unless we learned about the exception. Right? So, now, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَ, do not hamper them. You see this word, تَعْضُلُوهُنَ, is from the root letters, アインドアドラム. And アドラム is to harshly prevent someone from something. Like, very severely. Basically, you come in their way, you don't let them do what they want to do. So, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ Do not stop those women from what? أَيَّنْ To marry their spouses. What does it mean by this? Azwaj over here, one interpretation is that it refers to the ex. Alright, the previous husband. The guy that she was previously married to. So now, she wants to marry him again. So now don't stop her from marrying the same guy if she wants to. It's her decision. You don't come in the middle. You don't stop her. So لا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ Alright? But there is a condition. إِذَا تَرَاضَوْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ When both of them, meaning when the woman and the man have both agreed in a recognized way. Meaning, they have come to some mutual agreement and understanding, right? They have learned from their past experience, and it is hoped that they will not repeat the same mistakes again, and they will not repeat the same episode again. They've come to some kind of agreement. So now, when two adults are making a decision, let them make it. You don't come in the middle, And oftentimes we see that whenever there's a problem between a husband and a wife, how does it get worse? When does it get worse? When people interfere. When people interfere. When the family of the girl interferes too much or when the family of the guy interferes too much. What they don't realize is that two people who got married are adults. And we should leave them alone and let them make their own decisions. Stop interfering. Your son who is now married is no longer your baby that you have to decide what pants he should wear and what shirt he should wear. And your daughter also who is married is no longer your baby that you have to decide what she eats and what she does not eat. Or where she goes or what she wears. No, let her be. She's an adult. Let her make her own decisions. And this is something very important before we continue. This is something very important that all Elderly people or older people need to realize that when your child gets married to someone, please give them independence. Whether that child is your son or your daughter. It doesn't matter how old they are. Even if they're 18 or 19, right? Sometimes it happens that younger people also get married. So once they're married, please give them the space and the time they need to figure things out. You don't need to dictate everything in their life. The same goes for the guy's parents also. Once your son is married, please let him decide the things between him and his wife. As a mother-in-law, please don't interfere. As a father-in-law, don't interfere. Let them decide. And you might think that they're making wrong decisions or they're wasting their time or they're being foolish. Let them make their mistakes and let them figure it out. Don't interfere. Because oftentimes the problem is very, very minute. It's very small. But with the interference of the parents or the extended family, the problem turns into a drama. Really, it turns into a drama. So there's no need for interference. So here also we see when it comes to remarriage, what is the family told? Do not interfere. Do not stop them. If they want to get married again, let them. Now there is a particular context to this verse, and this is mentioned in your book, that Maqil ibn Yasar, his sister married someone, and after some time, her husband divorced her. Okay? And then the idda was over, the husband did not cancel the divorce, the two were separated. So what happened? The guy proposed again. Alright? You see what he did? He married a woman, divorced her, and then after some time, Proposed the same woman again. Would you please marry me? So Mark bin Yasar being the brother of this woman got really offended. He's like, no way. No way. You divorced my sister and now you dare to marry her again? I'm never going to let this happen. But this woman, she wanted to marry her ex-husband. She wanted to get back with him. And sometimes really women want it. So if she wants to get back into that marriage, don't stop her. So this ayah was revealed that, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَن يَنْكِحْنَ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ Do not come in the way. إِذَا تَرَضَوْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ When they both have mutually agreed with each other in a manner that is appropriate, in a manner that is recognized. Alright? So this is one interpretation of the verse. The other interpretation of the verse is that azwaj over here is not referring to the ex. It's not referring to the former husband. It's referring to someone else that they want to marry. Okay? So basically, a divorced woman, if she wishes to marry someone, okay, the family should not stop her. It's her decision. Alright, it's her decision. The family is just going to cooperate. Alright, but it's her decision who she wants to marry. As long as this is Islamically correct, meaning the man is a Muslim and you know, she is making a good decision, then the family is there to cooperate with her, not to overrule her decision. Alright, and we learn in hadith that basically a matron, and a matron refers to a woman who is previously married or who is mature of age. Alright, she will not be given in marriage except after consulting her. Meaning it's her decision. She decides who she wants to marry and the family is going to cooperate. And it so happens that when a woman is older in her age, she has more experience, then she's more particular about who she wants to marry and who she does not want to marry. So the family cannot really push her into marrying someone or stop her from marrying someone. Okay, good question. We learned that the Prophet ﷺ's daughter Zainab in Mecca, this is before even prophethood, she married Abu'l-As, who was the nephew of Khadija رضي الله So basically he was her cousin. All right. So she married her cousin. Now what happened after Muhammad ﷺ became a prophet? there was a lot of pressure on Abu'l-As to divorce his wife. Because the people were like, you know, we're just going to cut off from Muhammad and his family. We're going to pressurize him in different ways. So they pressured Abu'l-As, divorce your wife. So he said, no, I'm not divorcing her. Because he didn't want to. I mean, they were happily married and he did not wish to destroy his family just to please some people. So anyway, long story short, Abu'l-As did not embrace Islam. But Zainab radiallahu Anha did. Alright? And then... Zainab radiAllahu anha even went to Medina. She migrated to Medina, but the marriage of Abu al-'As and Zainab was not finished, even though Abu al-'As was mushrik and she was Muslim. The reason was that the generation at the time, the Sahaba, because they were the people present at the time when the laws of Islam were being revealed, there were many allowances that were given to them just as they had to go through many hardships also. Alright? So this is why their marriage was not annulled until many years later when he also came to Medina and he embraced Islam and they were together again. Alright? But something beautiful over here is that the Prophet ﷺ did not interfere in their married life. He did not say To Abu'l-As, you divorce my daughter. You don't even believe in me. In fact, you came to fight against me in the Battle of Badr, by the way. But the Prophet ﷺ did not interfere. Now there are some situations where there is abuse between a husband and wife. So there, okay, the family needs to interfere. But if it's a small issue over why are you wearing this and why are you not going there and why don't you eat this Come on, is this really something over which the family should be interfering? Let the two adults make their own decisions. Give them space. So, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَيَنْكِحْنَ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ إِذَا تَرَاضَوْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ ذَلِكَ يُعَضُ بِهِ مَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ بِاللَّهِ الْآخِرِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this admonishment, this advice is being given to who? The person who believes in Allah and the last day among you. Meaning if you really believe in Allah and the last day, then you listen to this command of Allah. What command of Allah? Do not prevent people from getting married. Do not prevent people from getting married. Many times it happens that a woman and a man, you know, a young woman, a young man, they wish to get married, but who stops them? The family. The parents, over what reason? She's not from Bombay. She's not from this country. He was born and raised here. He's not from back home. Hmm? She wears the hijab, for example. Or that he's not in med school. Hmm? He's not from our extended family. Lame excuses. Sometimes people will not allow a man and a woman to marry. Why? Because they are of different ethnicities Different backgrounds And this is also not correct Because what people think is That you know for example one family The girl's family thinks That oh we are Arab Okay And the guy's family thinks Oh we're Pakistani But the Arab girl Never went to Egypt her whole life So she doesn't identify with Egypt at all. She was born in Canada, raised in Canada. Maybe she went to Egypt one summer, right? Maybe she understands Arabic, and maybe she cannot even speak Arabic. She doesn't even like Egyptian food. And the Pakistani guy has never worn shalar in his entire life, right? But the parents think in their head, no, we're Pakistani, only Pakistani girl. And the parents of the girl think, no, we're Arab, only an Arab guy. But what they forget is that yes, while their blood may be Arab and while their blood may be Pakistani, they don't identify as Arab or Pakistani. Because they were never taken back home. They were born and raised here. But is this a legitimate reason? No, it's not. If two people can relate with each other, they're good Muslim, they're going to help each other, then allow them to get married. Don't prevent marriages over these reasons. فَلَا And look at this command that's given. This is an instruction that is being given to those of you who believe in Allah in the last day. If you believe in Allah in the last day, let this marriage happen. In hadith we learn that one of the best things that can happen between two people who love each other, and of course what is meant there is man and woman, is nikah. Right? One of the best things that can happen between two people who love each other is what? What is it? Nikah marriage but what comes in the way ego culture what will people say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says lakum wa this is purer for you and cleaner for you look at the two words that are used here azka and athar azka is from tazkiya zakat that also literally means purification athar tahara what does tahara mean What does tahara mean? Cleanliness. Do you notice something? Two words, two different words are used here for cleanliness, for purification. Meaning if you let these two people get married, this is purer. This is cleaner. How is it purer and cleaner? Because if you don't let them get married, what's gonna happen? The girl is in love. The guy is in love. Right? What's going to happen to their head, to their heart, to their mind, to their soul? They're constantly thinking about the person that they love. Right? And every other proposal that comes, no, 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 no. Why? Because in their head, they've already decided who they want to marry, who they're in love with. So is this cleaner for their hearts? No, it's not. Is this cleaner for your heart that you let your ego come in the way, and you did not let two people get married, and now you feel so good, and so cultural, and so true to your people back home, or whatever. Is this really pure for you? No, you let your ego win. You let your arrogance come in the way. So azka lakum wa وَأَطْهَىٰ Now, one more thing I want you to know is, that the word أَزْكَى, okay, from zakat, gives a meaning of purity, but it also gives a meaning of increase and growth. Okay, write this down. Azqa from zakat gives us two meanings. The first meaning of being clean and the second meaning of growth and increase. And this is why zakat is called zakat. Because when you give zakat, your money becomes clean and secondly, it also makes your money grow. You might think 2.5%, you're giving it away every year. How is it growing? It is going to grow. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing will be in it. So this is better for increasing in good. Meaning if you let two people who want to get married, marry, you allow them to get married, this is going to grow you in goodness. How is it going to grow you in goodness? How? Think about it. If two people who want to get married to each other are allowed to get married, how is this going to grow in goodness? Now imagine if two people are in love with each other, and they meet every now and then, and they speak every now and then, and you know, they send messages and whatever. They hang out, but they're not allowed to get married. Hmm? And then, let's say, those two people are allowed to get married. What scenario is better? When they're married, or when they're not married? When they're married. Why? Because then even when they're sitting together and talking to each other, even in that, they will be rewarded. Right? Right? And on the other hand, when they're not married, it's a haram relationship, haram relationship, then what's happening? They're accumulating sin upon sin. Right? Marriage is also a means of reward. And through marriage, whatever happens, is also inshallah a means of reward, as long as it's lawful. So it's, أَذْكَى wa وَأَطْهَرْ وَاللَّهُ wa وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah knows and you do not know. So he has made this halal for a reason.